I think I'm going to wrap up our sermon series on God's top 10 for your marriage, even though we didn't get through the top 10, all right? Uh, I want to, before we go into the fall, I want our church to experience a 40-day um, prayer and fasting, where at least we have somebody fasting every day for 40 days, and I want to break that fast together as a church by taking the Lord's Supper on the last Sunday of August, and we'll have children's church with us and, 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 and kind of a big family celebration. So to do that, we have to kind of start the, fa- uh, the prayer and fast thing on July the 20th, so I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit before we do the prayer and the fast thing, all right? So I'm thinking... Don't hold me to it. You may get one more shot next week, but I'm thinking this may wrap it up. So if I don't wrap it up, this is the wrap-up message, all right? If I come back and, and, and do it next week and you go, man, that didn't make sense. Like, this one sounded like the wrap-up deal. Like, it kind of is the wrap-up deal, but if I come back, and do, you understand what I'm saying, right? Got it. Somebody sent me an email. It's one of those that got forwarded on and forwarded on and forwarded on and forwarded on. Had like 4,000 forward ons. And somehow one person in this church thought it would be beneficial for me. So I, you know, and I, I usually, but anyway, this one I just kind of, it was a funny little cartoon about a king who was lamenting the, the kind of the moral bankruptcy of his, of his kingdom. And he's just kind of going on and, and just how there is no ethics or morality in the kingdom. And, and below him, you can hear people talk about, you know, give me your money and, and kind of robberies and that kind of thing going on. So then the next slide or the next screen is the king is with his court. And in the court is the court jester, obviously. But the king is explaining to the court that he's greatly concerned about the morality, the ethics, the morals of his, of his kingdom and what could be done about it. And the men started to talk and throw out ideas. And, and the court jester left the thing. He came back in the last slide and he's holding this book and he gives it to the king. And the king says, what is it? And he says, well, it's the book of ethics. And he said, where did you get it? He said it was in the drawer in the royal hotel. It took me a minute to get it, but in every hotel, the Gideons or somebody places a book of moral ethics. The problem isn't that we don't have the moral ethics. The problem is we've chosen not to live by those moral ethics. Now, I want to be kind of strong and and a little straightforward here, but for all that is wrong with society, it had to originate somewhere didn't it there had to be a small community where sin sin without consequences where wrong attitude and wrong thinking was promoted and if it wasn't promoted just allowed to go without any checks and balances and that's the home proverbs chapter 30 verses 11 12, 13, 14, talk about this generation. And each of the verses starts off, and it's in the King James, it starts off with the phrase, this generation. And he hits this point about the issue of that generation. As a matter of fact, just kind of walk with me through it. And, and I think you'll see when Solomon, who wrote this, considered the generational issues that face us as families I think he saw four areas of decay that should be a concern for every mom, dad, grandparent, everybody who's thinking about getting married, everybody who had a hope of one day getting married, you know, 
Uh, it, it ought to be a concern of all of us. And here's the first one. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says that this generation, there is a generation that curses their father and mother and does not bless their mother. Man, this is the disintegration of parenthood. The one of the, the fifth commandment that God wrote with his hand on Mount Sinai, gave it to Moses, was the honor thy father and thy mother. Gave a little promise to that. So thy days may be lengthened or long upon the earth. Understand that if there is a deterioration in the home a parenthood, somewhere I think we as parents have abdicated our parental responsibility to the school, to the government, to, to aunts and uncles and grandparents. We've given away our responsibility that God has clearly given to us as parents. I don't want to be my children's buddy. I don't want to be their best pal. I don't want to be, I want to be their dad. That's what God has called me to do. Understanding that on some days, and my children are older now, but on some days, my kids didn't like me very much. Matter of fact, that would have been most days in our home. I'm telling you, somewhere there has to be somebody in a place who stands up for what is right, for what is true, for what is holy, for what is lovely, for what is graceful. And in the home, that is you, mom and dad. If you don't like it, change it. You say, whoo, you don't know my kids. I had three of my own. I don't want yours. <laughs> I, I, I've heard people tell me this. And at first I bought into it. And then I, I started thinking, no, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Have you heard the expression, it's harder to raise kids today than it ever has been? Sure you have. I, I used to kind of buy into that. But the devil has always been the devil, right? I mean, since he fell out of the, in, in, in heaven after the whole war thing, we'll get into that another time. But you understand what I'm saying. The devil's always been the devil, right? Sin has always been sin. There's always been sexual promiscuity. There's always been sexual immorality. There's always been disrespect and dishonor. There's always been vulgar language, has it there? It is just more easily accessible now but every generation has faced those same issues haven't they oh my goodness remember when elvis presley came out and did the whole swivel the hips thing well man the world had preachers coming out of the closet talking about how you know the world was just going down in a handbasket And now a lot of you got his hymn albums and play them and that kind of thing. It's absolutely incredible how our focus changes. Three days ago before Michael Jackson died, none of us would have taken him seriously. But since his death, all of a sudden he's this super great guy. Do you understand what we do? We as parents are God's front line of attack. We as parents are out there in the trenches. And God has called us to take his truth and to pass that truth on to our children. Yes, there'll be a day when they leave your home and they live either by what you taught them or they kind of go their own way. If they live by what you taught them, the Bible says, blessing it. Their days will be lengthened on the earth. But if they don't, there are consequences for sin. 
and it all starts with mom and dad. Around 200 years ago, 150 years ago, there were two sets of families that were prominent. Max Jukes, J-U-K-E-S, lived in, North, in New York. He did not believe in Christ. He refused to take his children to church even when they asked him. His kids had kids and his kids had kids and their kids had kids until finally they traced it down. He had 1,026 descendants. It's amazing what happens when two people get together. 1,026 descendants from this man who did not take his family nor his descendants to church. 200 were sent to prison for an average term of 13 years. 190 were prostitutes. 680 were admitted alcoholics. His family thus far, and this was 150 years, had cost the state of New York millions and millions of dollars. For all their intents and purposes, they made little or no contribution to the betterment of that society or anybody's society. During the same time, there lived another family led by the name of Jonathan Edwards. He lived at the same time as Max Jukes. He loved the Lord, made sure his children were in church, taught them values, taught them the truth of God's word, taught them to serve the Lord no matter where they were at, no matter what their occupation, vocation, to serve the Lord to the best of their ability. Simple truth, simple man, great theologian. He had 929 descendants. Of those 929 descendants, 430 were ministers. 96 became university presidents. 75 authored books. Five were elected representatives. Two became U.S. senators. And one became the vice president of our country. And his family cost the state of New York not one penny. Do not tell me. Do not tell me that parents do not have a value and a place in our culture. Last week we had a wonderful baby dedication. I mean, just great families stood before us and, and openly thanked God for the blessing of their child, but also accepted the responsibility to raise their children in the nurture and the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That is our responsibility as parents. But there was a generation, there is a generation that curses their fathers and does not bless their mothers. I know what some of the teenagers are saying. I don't curse my mom and dad. You know, the curse isn't like, you know, the D word and F-bombs and all that kind of stuff. That's not what that is. That's just where you make light of what your parents are trying to pass on to you. You trivialize their, their merit. You trivialize their truth. You trivialize their love and what they've poured into you. And they don't bless their mother. They don't bless their mother. The common greeting and as you would leave the home was to bless the home or bless mom and dad. And these children refuse to bless mom and dad. God wants you to bless your mom and dad by being obedient to them. It is still in the book. Children, you say, I'm not a child, I'm a teenager. Okay, it's still in the Bible. Teenagers, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen? By the way, verse 4 says, parents, provoke not your children to wrath. That may be next week's if we come back to it. There's the disintegration of parenthood. In this generation, look at verse 12. There's the tolerance of filth. There's a generation that's pure in their own eyes, the verse says, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. The word tolerance is the buzzword, isn't it? 
You got to be tolerant of this and tolerant of that. And we can't have censorship. And we can't do this. And we can't do that. Do you realize everybody who is telling us we can't do something is trying to impose their position on us? Have you ever, has that ever crossed your mind? The Christian community is the most tolerant, one of the most tolerant communities that I'm aware of. We sit back and don't do nothing. How do you like that for bad English? We sit back and let it all happen. Listen, Solomon wrote, there's a generation that are pure. They see nothing wrong with what they do. The culture had so culturized them, had so indoctrinated them, that they could curse and, they, and what's wrong with that? They could look at pornography, ah, what's wrong with that? They, they could commit acts of lewdness, oh, what's wrong with that? There is a generation that was so culturized by their own culture that they saw nothing wrong with the sins that they're doing. Hey, I want you to know there is still absolute truth. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. There are still consequences for sin. And parents need to hold up the value and God's standard of righteousness. There it is. There's a generation, man. They're pure in their own eyes, but they're nasty. Some of us guys went down to uh, work at Battle Creek for a couple days. And... And man, by the time I got there, I, I didn't make the Thursday morning trip. I got there Friday afternoon. Man, I'm telling you what, these guys were nasty. Ray Sexton and, and, and his son Josh, man, they were busted in, in the basement. And they had this grinder thing and they were cutting up galvanized pipe. And man, it just, it was kind of sparks flying everywhere. And was, we were just thankful we didn't burn the church down with all that kind of stuff going on. And, and Josh was hauling mess out. I mean, it was just, they were nasty. Ray said, I'm just going to throw it away. And then he thought, no, I'm going to show it to Alice so she'll clean it up. Some of them didn't know how dirty they were until I looked at them and went, whoo, dude. You know, there's some language that some of you are using now. If you would have said it as a child, your mama would have washed your mouth out with soap, wouldn't she? My mom would not have taken the time to go get the soap. She'd have grabbed the switch and switched me all the way to the soap. We sing about being a light and letting that light shine to the world for the glory of the risen king. What is wrong in our day for standing up for what is pure and clean and holy and righteous? There's a generation, pure in their own eyes, not washed from their filthiness. Decent conversation standards have been lowered tremendously in our, our current culture, and we follow it. And I'm telling you, you can call me old-fashioned or what, man. I, I'm just not going to go to the vulgar language deal. I'm not going to go loot. I'm not going to go crash just to be cool. Look at me. There's nothing cool about this. There is a generation that pure in their own eyes, not washed from their own filthiness. One of my sons, I was very proud. The job where they worked, they wanted him to say a word that was 
totally accepted by the culture, but has not been and nor will it ever be accepted in our family and in a non-family setting in an employment situation. I was proud of my son because he said, "Eh, can we change that word? I'm not comfortable saying it. And they did. There's another that generation kind of thing. In verse 13, there's the prevalence of pride. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. And our culture is decaying with pride. We're proud of our promiscuity. We're proud of our materialism. We're proud of our greed. We're proud of our place in the world. We're proud of our accomplishments. Pride, 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 pride. Our eyelids are lifted up. Why? So we can see other people looking at us. That's the idea in the Hebrew language. It's kind of like, you ever fallen? You just kind of tripped over something. And you fall and you get right back up real quick and you look around to see who's looking. This is the type of look that, that their eyelids are lifted up. This is an intentional look to see who's looking. Jesus told a story of a parable in the New Testament about people giving their offerings. And there was one guy who was standing there, their offering plate, the basket was on the outside. And people would give their offerings as you would go in and outside of the, uh, of the sanctuary there. And, and one guy stood there waiting for the crowd to gather so he could drop his big chunk of money in. His eyelids were lifted up to see who was around him. What he didn't know is that the greatest giver that day was off to the other side of the sanctuary and she was crying because she had so little to give, but she gave all that she had. Pride. Let me just give you one last one here. It's in verse 14. It says, there's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaws set as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. It's the need for greed. That's what he's talking about. People who extort, fraud, and and rob, and and, and mistreat other people so that they gain an economic or or whatever kind of advantage. Somebody once said, we suffer from affluenza. The symptoms are we overwork, no time for energy left for our priorities. We have more stuff than we need. We just plain have too much stuff. I have people tell me all the time that they can't come to church because they're remodeling the house or somebody's coming up or they can't come to church because there's only day, it's the only day of rest. Well, I don't know if you've caught on, but coming to church isn't really the big strenuous activity, is it? I know Captain Enthusiasm has to go up, down, up, down a couple of times, but you're all right. Some of you got up, down, I'm not sure, what do I do? Isaiah said, my only day to sleep in, please. Most of you are at work three or two and a half hours before we even have Sunday school here. Come on. You want a day of rest? Don't rob God of his Sunday. If you want nine, ten hours sleep, go to bed at nine or ten o'clock on Saturday night. I didn't think that'd get any amens. Because we'd rather rob God of his day than maybe take the better route, wouldn't we? 
man, there's the need for greed. I got to get what I got to get when I got to get it. Have you ever, you ever heard the little poem, most of us live by the property laws, practice as children. Most of you have heard this. Here it is. If I like it, it's mine. Children, if I can, if I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> Man, is this need for greed. A lot of us have been shuffling around open houses. <laughs> because of my schedule, I've missed a few, but... We've been shuffling around to open houses. And, and I want you to understand that our kids are coming out in the toughest job market that has faced our country since the Great Depression. But I would like to ask all of us, how much money is enough? I'm not talking about communism or communalism. I'm just saying, how much is enough? They asked Rockefeller one time, the multi-billionaire from, you know, standing oil and, and, and trains and all that kind of stuff a generation or two generations ago. He said, how much money do you want to make? And he said, I always want to make one dollar more. Man, wouldn't it revolutionize the world? Wouldn't it revolutionize our area, our nation? If we said, you know what? God's blessed me so I can be a blessing to others. I'll give back. I'll give back. Maybe you give back time because you don't have money. Maybe you give back money because you don't have time. Maybe you give back relationships because you got both. All I'm simply saying is God didn't call us to be the people of greed. He called us to reach out to those in need. He says, this generation, this generation, this generation, and some of you who are older, you're going, oh, that's right. Get on this generation. Boy, get them, preacher, because the whole time you thought I've been preaching to teenagers. I want you to understand Solomon wrote this generation almost 2,000. No, let me back it up. Almost whatever 2,000 and 1,200 is, 3,200. Uh, almost 3,200 years ago, somewhere in that area. He was talking about that generation. May I remind you who thought I was talking to teenagers, it wasn't this generation who at the turn of the century allowed a philosophical shift to occur in our country from a theological basis to a humanistic basis and approach of life. May I remind you that it wasn't this generation in 1964 that allowed and submitted to prayer being taken out of school. May I remind you that it wasn't this generation who in the early 70s followed the Supreme Court when now all of a sudden it was now right to kill the unborn. It wasn't this generation who in the late 90s was the, the proponents and the... And the ushering in of and approving of homosexual marriages. I'm simply saying that all of us, when verses 11, 12, 13, and 14 say there is a generation, all of us have been a part of there is a generation. Because we've left sin undealt with. We've gotten soft on the holiness of God, which means we've gotten soft on sin. We've got soft on the love of God, which means that we feel no personal responsibility to take his message and truth to a world that's in need. There is a generation, it's your generation, whether you're 114 years old, whether you're 14 years old, 
whether you're soon to be 30 or 40, there is a generation. And you and I are part of that generation. But I want you to know there is an answer for the generation. Not only this generation, but the next one to come, and the next one to come, and the next one to come. And that next, and that generation, or the answer for the generation is Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for us. Because that is where the power is to change lives. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Father, there's a generation that needs regeneration. There's a generation that need godly men and women to stand up and say enough's enough. We're going to stand for what's right. Sin has consequences. Righteousness needs to prevail. Father, my prayer is that in this generation, that in this service, that right now you confront us of sin. Lord, you just break our hearts, things that we've become soft on, things that we've become weak, things that we've become anemic to spiritually, things that we just excuse because of our own pride, things that we excuse because of our greed, things that we excuse because we've accepted the culture as the norm. And we've thought long too logically and not enough theologically. And the whole issue of parent and honoring and children obey their parents and parents have not provoking, there's just this whole disintegration of the family and deterioration of roles of moms and dads, of holding integrity and love and truth and instilling values in their children. I wonder right there where you sit you just raise your hand and say pastor you got the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart today man there are just some sins I've kind of kind of just I'm not clean from there's some things that I've accepted there's some things that are just in my life in my home that are just not the way God intended I've just kind of rolled along with the flow of the culture and the flag because I thought that was the only way and thing I had to do and I want to recommit myself to his truth doing what's right I just want I just want to pray for you as we close nobody's looking around and wonder you just pastor I, I love the Lord I'm a believer I I love my kids, I love my family, and I want to do what's best, but I also wanted to make that stand for what's right. And if I'm going to stand for what's right, i got to deal with some personal sin in my heart and my life that I just kind of let go. And if you just want somebody to pray for you, because I believe in the power of prayer, and right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Just raise it. Put it right back down. Just raise it. Father, for those who wrestle with the sin of pride in all its facets and hues and colors, Father, may we expose it for the ugliness that it is and confess it as sin. 
Father, for those whose homes are deteriorating, the relationships aren't what they should be, need to be, ought to be, whether it's between husband and wife or parents and children. Father, I pray that there's a recommitment to the truth of God's word in their heart and their life and they ask the forgiveness of sin. Father, for those who watch movies they shouldn't watch and there's nothing wrong with watching a good movie. But when we jump online and we look at sites that we have no business being there and, and we watch things and we, we imitate the culture and, and the line gets blurred between what a believer is and what a non-believer is, God, I pray that, that you clean us up and we confess that as sin. That a commitment to righteousness is the greatest commitment because it's a commitment to you that we'll ever experience. Lord, for those who are just bound up with all they can get and all the toys they can get and life is all about them, God, would you help us to have a worldview shift that life is all about? There are many who raise their hands today, God. I don't know their needs. I just know that you offer them your truth and your peace and your blessing. So, Father, for whatever spiritually needed to be dealt with this morning, my prayer is that it was. And, Lord, we'll leave this place with a different attitude, a different frame of mind. Lord, and, and areas that you've kind of prodded and poked our hearts over and worked us over about, Lord, we'll make some decisive, deliberate changes in our lifestyle and our conduct and our attitudes so that we'll greater greatly reflect you in your love. Father, as our ushers will quickly come and we'll receive our Sunday morning offering, I pray you bless it. Thank you for the faithfulness of, of folks to give. And many have not only given faithfully when it's been economically tough, I thank you so much for that. But they've given above and beyond so that Nicaragua children or Nicaragua teens can go and minister to children in the orphanage and helping get the kids to Chicago and Tennessee and other places. So Father, we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, if you're a guest with us today, this part of the service isn't for you. And and feel, don't feel any guilt about passing the offering plate along and and not putting anything in it. It's not what, you know, you're our guest today. We're glad to have you here.